I um, have been uh, holding on to this word for the last couple of weeks. I feel like I want to this morning speak um, prophetically to you as a community, to our family. And, and all that means is I have a sense of something that God is encouraging us into in the future that actually it's important that we focus on now and actually capture some of that so we can be ready as we as individuals and as we corporately as a community move into everything that God's got for us. And the word that really has been resonating in my heart over the last couple of weeks is, is about spring cleaning. It's been about um, that thing that many of us have hoped for the last month that uh, may be coming around anytime soon. And maybe even just yesterday, we encountered it in small measure. How many of you, a few weeks back when the weather began to turn, you thought, oh, do you know what? Springs are coming. And then it snowed and it rained and uh, all of those little bulbs started to pop up. You're just thinking, they're all dying because it's freezing. How many of you felt that over the last month? You're like, when is spring coming? Well, listen, I think practically and in the, in the natural, I think kind of we're heading towards spring. But I've been carrying this sense of there's a season shift coming. And, the, and the, in some way, this, this winter period uh, of life is, is beginning to change. We're starting to step into spring. So I want to talk to us this morning by way really of preparing our hearts and again to speak more prophetically to us as a community around how do we embrace the process of seasons and how do we recognize uh, that nature of seasonal change and how do, we, how do we embrace it, how do we uh, take hold of it, how do we actually get hold of what lies ahead knowing that there's some element of something for us to do in the here and now. And uh, for many of us, maybe even yesterday, I did this because my wife was away for a couple of days. The kids, they went down to Hastings and uh, hung out with Sarah's mum and dad, and I stayed at home. And I decided, after I trashed the house for two days, that it was appropriate for me to clean the house for frantically before Sarah got back. And so it was amazing. I could open up the door. I found this thing, which apparently is a, uh, is a broom uh, and is used for all sorts of uh, things. I didn't discover what it was used for. I just found it. Um, but there was this whole concept that I've, I am aware of, which is this spring clean, which is effectively this, this moment, this uh, season shift moment when we can open up our windows, we can open up the doors, and we can begin to start to clean up. And, and all those things that we'd hoped to do over winter that we, we couldn't do because we had to keep the doors closed, the window closed, we get to deep clean. And I opened up some windows yesterday and realized that we've probably not done that for a while as I looked at the the dirt and the mildew and everything else. But I had a really good clean yesterday and I did actually use this. I opened up the door. How many of you know that the, the whole spring clean thing was around, it was around the new season dawning and people, especially in, in, in the UK and in Europe, it's the time when it gets warm enough for it to open the door and literally get rid of all of the stuff that we, we couldn't sweep out before we can get and sweep out. It's kind of a preparation for summer. It's the thing you couldn't do during winter. And so I feel like in the natural whereas I was able to spring clean. Wasn't the house good when you got back? I didn't put the washing out, but I got most things done. But this sense of I got really excited because I've been carrying this word about spring clean and then I actually got to spring clean yesterday. Listen, there's a thing that we have to recognize in, in any sort of seasonal shift is that it's a really important time to ask two vital questions of ourselves as the church. And that is, what are you doing, God? And how can I do it with you? Two, two hugely important questions. God, what are you doing and how can I do it with you? I often think that we think about our Christian lives in a very linear, singular process. 
And we don't often reflect in times and season, what is God doing and how can I do that with him? Because we kind of see that, you know, there's, there's the Christian walk and I've just got to put one foot in front of the other. and I keep going and I keep doing the same thing. And we miss out on the seasonal shift moments because we're not prepared to maybe say, oh, let me take stock. And in this season, at this time, where I am at this stage in my life, what is God doing? And what can I do? How can I get involved with what he's doing? In, in John 5, 17, Jesus said this of his father. He said, my father is always working. There's a, there's a, a common thread, a narrative to, to our lives, and that is that we have a father who is always working. So the, the vital question of, God, what are you doing and how can I do it with you, is a partnership with a reality that God is always doing something. He's always working. And so we get to, in times and seasons, pay attention to the narrative of what he's doing now in our lives and therefore through our lives to be able to say, God, what are you doing and how can I do it with you? You know, ultimately, when, when, you, said, when you said yes to Jesus, you didn't say um, yes to Jesus come and partnering with your initiative for your agenda for life. You, you agreed to follow Jesus. There's a, there's, an, uh, there's a common an intrinsic part of following, which is we have to be aware of, of who we're following and where they're going. And then to follow is literally to know where somebody's going, know where Jesus is going, and to follow, to go there, to see what he's doing and to do that. That's the nature of what following really is all about. And so this critical question of what are we, God, what are you doing and how can I do it with you becomes a pivotal part of any seasonal change. And I feel like as, as spring is coming and as, as this shift is coming and some of the words that we're carrying, things that God's spoken to us as a community begin to start to, to become, um, become a reality. We have to pay attention. What are we doing in this season? What are we doing to take hold of all that God's promised for us? And how are we activating that and stepping into that with intentionality? One of the things I, 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 I'm massively appreciative of is, is, is having grown up in the church and, and watched and seen the various seasons of church life, even in, even in the UK and movements. I, I realized that when, when, I, um, when I grew up as a, as a young man in the church, my parents were, uh, my dad was an Anglican vicar. And one of the things that my parents always went after is more of God. They were in a traditional form of church, but were hungry for more of God. They would, they would read the reality of the New Testament, and they would hold it up as a mirror and say, God, our church, our community should look like this. When I read about what, what, uh, what went on in the early church, the book of Acts, this should be a reflection of what the normal Christian life looks like. I grew up in an environment where with parents who were hungry for the prophetic, for the, the power and the presence of God to be not just manifest in, in a meeting or in a room, but in and through the lives of people. This is what I grew up in. And I know that much of that really stemmed from a movement in, in the church in the 60s and 70s and um, the restoration movement. Many new church movements, New Frontiers, Pioneer, Vineyard, which we were, we, we were a vineyard church, were birthed in this sense of, of <clears throat> there's a season shift coming in the church. And we can own the reality of who we're called to be as a body of people. And it's not just a traditional um, semblance of people on a Sunday, but it's a, a people marked by the presence of God. A people marked by the power of God. 
a people who are marked by the prophetic voice of God in their midst. And so much of, of what I grew up in was in the light of the movements of those movements in the 60s and 70s, those house church movements that rapidly began to, began to grow and even uh, house church movements and, and, and uh, New Frontiers and Pioneer who originally started to gather in homes and then growth started to occur because people were hungry for the same thing. They would read the pages of the Bible and they would look at the traditional religious forms of church and go, there's a disconnect here. And so I've grown up in, 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 a, in, a, in an expression of the, the normal Christian life, the normal church life that is expecting that God is on the move. That God is wanting to redeem and rescue people's lives. But what I'm beginning to realize is that that... Um, that restoration movement, that the group of churches that really was about reforming and reorientating the church towards the person and presence of God and the power of God and the word of God and the reality of the kingdom. That reorientation, which took many, many leaders on an amazing journey of establishing amazing kingdom impacting churches, that ultimately we're now beginning to move into a season and a shift where, the, where our reorientation is not simply just in terms of how our church is structured, but fundamentally what our church exists on the planet to do. And listen, we're not simply here uh, to be constantly... Um, be restored, a restoration movement. We are a revival, reformation, and I believe renaissance movement. That's what I believe that the body of Christ is on, is on the planet for, that we as individuals and we incorporately, we're not here just to simply reorientate how we do church, but we're fundamentally here to show up on this planet to bring revival, reformation, and renaissance. And that restoration that I kind of grew up in in the church, I believe it was about getting the church ready to point that church, to point individuals into the, the places and spaces where we all show up to bring the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And so restoration was for revival. It was for reformation. It was for renaissance. Listen, we exist for revival because we, we, we're born to bring heaven to earth. That's part of, of, of the mission and mandate of the, of, of the body of Christ is to, is to bring heaven to earth, to bring the reality of all that, that God has stored up in, in heaven and make that known and make that real so that the hope would be alive because I'm alive, because there's a living hope in me. That actually all that I find in, in, in heaven, no sickness, no pain, no brokenness, I am part of bringing and establishing and extending that kingdom here on earth. That's why it's revival, because it's about transforming of lives. But it's about reformation. We're purposed for reformation because we're called in this space of individually going after revival, the transformation of lives, to bring about transformation of society structures and culture that could be influenced and impacted by a culture of heaven and begin to look different. That actually our systems of government and business and sport and education could be impacted by believers who say, I'm going to influence and extend the kingdom of God through this structure and bring reformation. That actually poverty would be a different story in our city, not simply because we go out on a Friday night and we give out food and clothes, but we get into the infrastructure of our city and begin to build businesses that address problems, that give answers to solutions, uh, give answers to problems that exist out there. 
That's reformation. But I think there's a, there's a renaissance coming, which is ultimately a, a transformation of perspective, a transformation of the way of thinking. And I think that the, one of the things that I, I'm so encouraged by is that this issue of blessing, like the body of Christ being blessed, which fundamentally means to be happy and to be envied. There's something about being happy and envied that's not about a status, but it's about leading the way and showing what it really looks like to live free, healthy, full lives. And in the midst of that, there's a people that desperately don't live free, full, fulfilled lives. And they're looking around for answers to to that question in all sorts of places. But the Lord is wanting for His light to shine through a body of people that could see what blessing really looks like, to be happy and to be envied. And this is what I do. When I see somebody doing well, I think, well, maybe I should start thinking like they've thought. And this reformation, it moves into renaissance because I believe people see what it is to live full, free, healthy, whole lives. And it begins to say, I could change the way I think. That my perspective could change. My perspective could shift. So I think for us, you know, as I've grown up in, this, in this, this change, in these season shifts in the church, that I've become aware of it myself, that I have to pay attention to the, the season that God is bringing us into. And in many ways, we're already on that journey, and I love that. So I'm not bringing anything new to you this morning. But I'm reminding you that in the midst of this season shift, I think there are some things that we should own, some things that we should be intentional around that will help us shift from winter into spring. There's a spring cleaning job, perhaps in our hearts and our lives, that could get us ready for this thing. And ultimately, we start with recognizing we can't get stuck in a restoration time. Listen, we can't simply get stuck in a, hey, we just need to make church better. Like, I love church. I love meetings. Like, I'm a church leader. It's wonderful. I love the fact that you show up on a Sunday and we get to do family together. That's amazing. But that is, that is not an end in itself. This is a foundational moment when we get to be equipped into the normal Christian life. And this is where we spend our time. This is where we spend our lives. This is what we lay our lives down for. Jesus laid his life down for the church. We lay our lives down for the extension of the kingdom. To serve and love Jesus in a way that brings him honor and glory. And so as we reorientate ourselves as a church and we see the New Testament and we read again the book of Acts, it it stirs us towards a normal Christian life that if we're honest, many of us fall so short of. If I'm honest, I fall so short of. But there's a new wineskin. And doing church simply as as we've known it, and, and that being why we exist as Christians, to do church together, it's an old wineskin. Now, in saying that, I am not saying that I, I am scrapping church or that's not my end goal. I just think there's so much more for us to step into. There's a foundation here which we are building that is unto something great and glorious. That's where we've been in Haggai the last eight weeks. There's something that we're building and establishing and restoring on the earth, and it is his kingdom. Mark 2, says this, And no one pours new wine into an old wineskin, otherwise the wine will burst the skin, and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour out new wine into a new wineskin. Yeah. Listen, there is a, a new wineskin which we are owning and becoming. 
a body of people who own our true identity as God's sons and daughters, that we recognize this great rebuilding, this great restoration project that God has in our city to rebuild lives, to rebuild society, to change the way people think. And we get to be ready for that season shift. One of the things that I have come to realize again, in my great prowess as a great cleaner, is that if you are looking to get ready to spring clean, you better be ready. Why are you laughing, Sarah? (laughs) That actually to be ready, to be ready for that season shift, it's great to have the right tools, right? I introduced you to my brush earlier. I actually bought this brush, mainly because it was cool, because it's telescopic and you can like shrink it up. That's cool. But Sarah got done on the doorstep by a guy selling a bunch of stuff a few weeks ago. But listen, it was actually, it was actually the Lord. Not just because we got to help somebody who was wanting to rebuild his life. That was amazing. But this thing came into our lives. Um, our house is, a, is an old house. We have um, three flights of stairs, lots of stairs, lots of banisters. And uh, it's like, it's dirty all the time if I'm being honest, until this thing showed up in our lives. So this thing, you can get into all the nooks and crannies. You can, so usually, can I say usually, maybe once in my history, I've taken a cleaning cloth and gone up the, up the stairs of the banister, knelt down, cleaned in between one banister, next step, cleaned. This thing is like, you just go in, bosh, bosh, clean. And again, like, Sarah, yeah, I can sell it to you. Here's my point. If you're going to get ready to achieve something great, have the right tools in hand. If there's a season that lies ahead that that you've got to take responsibility for something, have the right tools. It makes something so much easier. And I want to highlight three things to us this morning. If we're in this season shift, if there's something for us to pay attention to, there are three things that I really feel like in this season for us as a community, we've got to own individually and we've got to champion one another towards corporately. All right? And those three key seasonal changes are this that we would move from principle to practice. Two P's. If you're writing stuff down, this will help. You ready? Write it down. Get your phone out. Principle to practice. Fear to faith. See what I did there? Two F's. Fear to faith. Grind. This one took a little longer. To growth. Right? Principle to practice, fear to faith, grind to growth. Those of you who are taking photos of this screen are lazy. Just type it out on your phone. (laughs) Principle to practice, fear to faith, grind to growth. Let me unpack some of those things for you over the next few minutes. Principle to practice. One of the greatest challenges I think the church, we as a community, the church broadly speaking faces, is that we are very good at theory, theology, and principles. Like we make a business around knowing what we think about stuff. We have a theory about everything. And actually, in many senses, churches have even thought through their own church growth strategy around, hey, we've got the best theory on all this stuff come to our church because we have, the, we have the right theory about this stuff. We believe the right things. We have good theology around these things. We are principled around these things. Now listen, 
Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's, it's not right to have, to have a healthy, whole theology of who we are. It's massively important. But that's not the end of the journey. These principles have to move from a theory into a practice. It's no good the church having good theology about something because theology was never there simply for our own, our own headspace. It was there to change the world. That's what we were born again unto, a great commission that would see lives and society and, and people and systems changed, transformed. Not simply so we could have the right theology. Listen, I went, to, I went to theological college. One of the things that I found fascinating is that there is a whole industry uh, and a whole, um, yeah, whole industry built up around uh, theological writings, that there are theologians out there that will write books and then other theologians that will counter those, uh, those books with another book and then there'll be another book that will be brought out that counters the counter of that theological argument. There's, there's a whole industry around theology. And what fascinated me and blew my mind as I started to delve into this is that um, there are some people that occupy that space that actually are not even followers of Jesus. They are just involved in the academic exercise of countering an argument, writing a paper, writing a thesis, writing a book that, that, that is part of the conversation about a theory of who God is and what he's like and what he does. It boggled my mind that people would have the inclination as people who don't follow Jesus to to be part of that conversation. It, it did boggle my mind. But anyway, one of the things I've realized is that we can fall into that trap. We can fall into the trap of simply being ones who have a theory but have very little practice. And this is hate. This is my goal as a church community. Banning helped us. If you were at the conference, he, he said this thing, we don't need another teaching. We just need to get going with the teaching we've got. And I kind of understood what he meant. I don't think he meant let's scrap teaching ever. But listen, every aspect of revelation that we find, either individually through the word of God or in, in environments like this where we're being taught and we're being equipped, every area where there is revelation, its end goal purpose is that that revelation should be realized. Right? James 1, to 25 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets who he was like, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, freedom, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Again, if we're going to move into a renaissance, it requires for us to, I think, be blessed, to be happy and to be envied. That's what the biblical context of blessed means. But there's a journey to walk towards that blessed life. And I love this picture here that James gives because there is a reality for, for many people that, that we know what we look like when we're looking in the mirror. But, but actually, 
if we don't outwork what we see in front of us, who we really are, the image and reflection of God on the earth, if we don't work that out, as soon as we step away from that mirror, we're going to be people who forget who we really are. So this issue is not just simply an issue of what we do, it's an issue of our identity and the expression of that identity to the world. Mahatma Gandhi, who was a Hindu leader, he was once asked by a Christian missionary why he often quoted um, the Sermon on the Mount and yet refused to follow Christ. And this is what he said. I don't reject Christ, I love Christ. It's just that so many of the Christians are so unlike Christ. If Christians would really live according to the teachings of Christ as found in the Bible, all of India would be, a, would be Christian today. It's quite a challenging perspective. That actually there, there, is, that there is a profound reality, not just to a theory of what it is to follow Jesus, but a profound reality that is fi- found in following and demonstrating and becoming Christ on earth, Christ in us, a hope to the earth, that actually would, would be a reflective of somebody who, who, would, who would be challenged enough to say, I would follow that Jesus. If the people that followed him was a ref- we're a true reflection of him. Listen, every aspect of revelation is purposed for realization. Revelation without realization makes that which is being revealed worthless. And that's a challenge to us because we can say, oh, it was really important what I learned this Sunday. I, I really love that fact or I love that verse or I love that concept or I love that theory. Loving the theory, loving the theology at that level is fine. But to not respond with our lives to that theology makes that which we've said is so valuable worthless. The season we're stepping into is one where we don't just believe in things, but we actually see those things because we live those things. This is what I love about our kids. There's a a childlike faith that they have a a perspective on what the normal Christian life looks like. Ultimately, normal life with your best friend Jesus looks like. And just two weeks ago when we had our Easter party and there were literally scores of kids who'd been invited from their, from their schools and their streets to come and have an Easter party. Over 40 kids upstairs two weeks ago gave their life to Jesus. It's amazing. Because our little kids are, are showing and sharing the reality of a Jesus who is their best friend. And so when, when other kids see this is what my best friend does, This is who my best friend is. When they introduce him to Jesus, of course, it's a no-brainer. I want to know your Jesus. We get to move from principle to practice, from theory to a great adventure of laying our lives down to serve Jesus. That's what it is to move from winter to spring, to clean, maybe even to dust down the theology that we so believe in and start to say, this, this theology isn't meant for a book, it's meant to be written on my life. The second thing that we, I believe, are to own and to, to walk in is directly connected to that first one, and that is the, the, the journey, the cleaning up of fear to move us to faith. Listen, if, if we are going to take much of what we would say amen to and believe in and say, yes, that's right, 
great good theology, great theory, if we're going to move it from principle to practice, we have to unhinge ourselves from fear. Because fear is one of the, the greatest reasons why many of us remain hidden in the confines of a church sanctuary. Listen, this place, it's a gym, but just imagine it was our own church sanctuary. Listen, even the very word of sanctuary is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like, what are we being, what do we need sanctuary from? Like, are we, is there a big, dark, bad world out there that we need to find sanctuary from somehow and hide out in our church buildings? Fear would drive us to hide away in small, close-knit groups, doing Bible study after Bible study. Now, I love Bible study. Study your Bibles, get into groups, build relationships around feeding on the Word of God together. But if fear in any way causes you to be locked away in a hidden room, I love that in the New Testament when, when Jesus has been crucified and the disciples are are hidden in a back room for fear of their lives. This was a, a group of people who'd followed Jesus and seen him done miraculous things and now their leader has been killed and they are hidden away and Jesus comes through that locked door. He walks through the locked door and the first thing he says to them is what? Fear not. And he breathes on them with the Holy Spirit and they're empowered. Listen, there's a a great life that we get to live with Jesus. But it, is, it only takes place when we unshackle ourselves from fear. This great faith adventure of giving everything to Jesus and going after that with all of our lives, we have to unshackle ourselves from fear. And I say this often to you, but the reality for each one of us is not that we have to convince ourselves out of fear, but we need to recognize and see the one who is with us. Fear is not, you know, it's not simply just the absence of a feeling that makes us fearful. It is the faith is the presence of God in our lives where fear has no place. The love of God in and present in our lives so fear has no way to shackle itself to us. You know, if we're thinking about the great adventure, the great commission of laying our lives down, if actually we're moving from just simply reorientating church to becoming church that impacts cities and nations, if that's us and that is our great commission, we have to remember what, what came at the end of that great commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. All right, so go, make disciples, transform lives. Take the reality of the kingdom of he heaven that you've been immersed in as we've walked together and release that and change things. Bring about city transformation. And right at the end of that great commission is this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Unshackling ourselves from fear and stepping into faith is much a process of anchoring ourselves to the presence of God. That isn't about making sure you're here on time to, to catch worship, although do get here on time to catch worship. It's not simply about the times of corporate worship we have, but it's about recognizing that, that those times are, are an invitation into the normal Christian life where God is present with us. Listen, when you look back in Genesis, 
And God's plan A was that we would walk and talk in a garden with God, that he would be presenced with us. How many of you know that the Bible was actually a concession? We were never supposed to have the Bible. What? We were never supposed to have the Bible. We were always supposed to walk and talk with a father in a garden. This was, this was plan A. And listen, I'm, I'm having to say a lot of, don't hear what I'm not saying. I love the Bible. Love the church, love Bible studies, keep coming, love worship, it's all good. But listen, there's a maturity journey for us of, of acknowledging and, and anchoring ourselves to the presence of God that is far more than the, the momentary times when we encounter him in a meeting. There's a person of a father who wants to walk with you in life. And that's where we find faith. The presence of God in us, living through us. And finally, in this spring clean season, as we're getting ready, as we're stepping into what lies ahead, we are moving from grind to growth. There's, there's specific words that God has spoken over this community, and I want you to own them not just together, but individually. We're in a season of acceleration. I'm seeing this already in lots of areas of our church life, but we're in a season of acceleration, of growth. And paying attention to that is really important because growth at one level is about the suddenly of God, right? Acceleration, change, transformation is about what God is doing. You see that all the way through the book of Acts. Let me just point you to Acts 16, 25 to 26. And this is when Paul and Silas are locked up in prison and they're praying and they're singing. Verse 26 says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake at the foundation of the prisons were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. There are suddenly moments that I'm starting to pay attention to. And this is, this is the thing that I want us to take in this season. For many of us, we hold a high value for gritting our teeth and moving through it. Faithfulness is a, is a great attribute for one who follows Jesus. Be faithful in all that he's called you to do. But in some level... I think we've attached faithfulness and, uh, to the grind, just kind of keep on doing the same thing. And we miss and we, we don't see when actually God's accelerating something. God's actually stirring an earthquake to loose some chains so we can go free. And at some level, we, we think that the, the grind is kind of, you know, we should just be faithfully sticking to this. And we miss the suddenly moments of what God wants to do. Listen, I want us to pay attention to this season of acceleration. I don't know what it looks like individually for you. I, I'm feeling it and sensing it for myself individually and then I'm seeing it corporately for our church. That actually we are moving forward. There's growth. There are things that we believed for for a while. I'm wanting to declare prophetically that that would be attached to our building. Jesus, please. But I'm sensing that this acceleration, and I don't want us to miss out on this growth that God wants to, to take you on and acceleration that he wants to take you on individually because we simply think that it's just better to keep the grind going. Keep doing the same thing. Listen, um, somebody said to me this week, there's something really wise about following the favor. Like when there's an acceleration and favor over something, don't go, oh, well, I've always done this though and that seems different, but there's favor on that, but we've always done this. Oh, I've always kind of treated that like that, and I've always kind of responded like that. And, but there's favor over here, and there's acceleration over here, but I I'm used to doing it like this. It's like, no, think about shifting gear and getting in that slipstream and going where there is favor. 
right? And so I want to encourage you to, to pay attention to watch over the days and the weeks that lie ahead. See where God is moving and there is growth and begin to partner your life there. Begin to push yourself there. And some of that will maybe, you know, I'm thinking about a handful of things. I'll just be honest with you. I'm thinking about a handful of things in our, in our I'll close with this. I'm thinking about this in terms of uh, the issue of poverty in our city. Listen, for, um, since this church began, we've been out on the streets giving out food and clothes. And I've said to you this before. I think that our response to the homeless and those who are poor and, and the extremities of need require us to meet that need. And food and clothes is a really obvious way of doing that. I'm paying attention to the fact that right now in our community that has become a grind. Now you could say, well, just people need to be more disciplined and get out on a Friday night and give out food and clothes. And at that level, I, I do agree. I'm also convinced that in this church lies a solution to poverty. And it, it rests far beyond our ability to make a sandwich and take coffee out into the streets, right? Will we keep doing that? Yes, probably. But have I got to start to pay attention to the fact that I asked the Lord a number of months ago to bring entrepreneurs into our community and to make them known to me because I believe we're supposed to establish businesses in our city that would change the state and the infrastructure of poverty in our city. Did I ask that of the Lord? Yes, I did. Over the last couple of months, has there been young and old entrepreneurs popping up into my environment that have been in this church for a long time and I didn't really even know they were here? And is the Lord beginning to accelerate something in my heart, which I believe is about the systemic solution to poverty in our city? Yes, I do. So I'm paying attention to that favor. I'm paying attention to what God's doing there because I want us to get behind what he's doing and that area of growth because I believe it's about the restoration, revival, reformation, and it's about renaissance. It's about our city thinking differently because you and I show up with kingdom glitter all over our lives, living gloriously for a king who can solve the issues that are around us. So Grind to growth. Pay attention. Uh, that last one, it's not prescriptive. I really want you to start to pay attention to in your own life. What is the Lord on? What is the Lord breathing on? What do I feel favor on? What do I feel like I'm accelerating and growing in? And just begin to ask the question, how do I orientate myself towards that? That's all I have for you in that space. Is that all right? So three things. Principle to practice. What was the other one? Fear to faith. And grind to growth. Would you stand with me so we can pray? If you know and you sense even this morning that um, maybe you didn't come into this room with any level of expectation over this, but just as I've been speaking, maybe Holy Spirit's just been stirring something in you. If that's you, I, I, I want us in small measure to commission ourselves again into this new season to open our eyes and to pay attention to what God's doing. That this morning is about be speaking prophetically to us as a community and so our eyes would be lifted from circumstance and and lifted into what lies ahead and what God's doing so if that's you and I just encourage you to open up your hands so I want to pray for myself and pray for us as we own this together father I, I thank you for this beautiful um, church community whose heart has always been after you and father as we continue to set our eyes and our lives on you I ask God that you would come and you'd stir us 
Father God, this morning is not just a, a, a message of, of, of trying to convince or persuade people that there's more to life, but God, there's an invitation in your kingdom for us to explore a vast and glorious work, which is seeing life come to our city. And I pray and I commission this church, these as individuals and as corporately together, to to take hold of this season, to sense spirit where you're shifting us from winter into spring, that actually we would do the, the job of tooling ourselves well, that we'd clean out what needs cleaning out. But Father, would you lift our eyes to the season that lies ahead? Stir us, bring us courage, bring us friendship, bring us fun, bring us excitement, and bring us boldness in Jesus' name.